I'm Dan Orlovsky. When I'm looking for safety, I always take the extra steps and listen to Chris and Case on the Detroit Lions podcast. Lions fans, it's time for the podcast you've been waiting for. The show where Kool-Aid runs blue, faces turn red, and rose-colored glasses never go out of style. This is the Detroit Lions podcast. Your Detroit Lions and Reddit connection. And now, two guys who haven't scored since 1958, Chris and Case. Hey, howdy ho, Lions fans. Welcome to the Detroit Lions podcast. This is episode 214. This is the official Detroit Lions podcast for Reddit. I am your dashing host, Chris, and with me is my good friend and co-host, Case. How you doing, my man? Good, Chris, except that I'm working all the fucking time. Oh, well... I just got off a nice vacation. I spent some time with the fam. Saw Detroit. Oh, hey, that sounds nice. Yeah, Riz was down in the Carolinas. Good. It was good. Now we're oh, back. Oh, that sounds nice, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ash did a nice time filling in. All right. Well, hey, let's talk about today's show. We got uh, Nate Burleson going to weigh in on his time in Detroit. We are going to pull out the mail bag for you to look at and listen to. We're also going to ha- take Stafford under center. We're going to talk about what that means. The training camp party. We've got a trailer out there. There's a whole lot more great stuff going on. We've got a great show coming up. Case. You ready to go, my man? Oh, Chris, I'm always ready to go. It's all I ever fucking do is be ready to go. All I do is fucking work. So, uh, yeah, totally. 100%. I'm with you right now, ready to go. Let's kick this off and break it down. All right, a couple of quick announcements first. Check us out and help us out on Patreon. Special thanks to Dylan from... And, of course, our very first owner, Mathis. Brian B. from I Prevail... He's in there, and uh, him and everyone else joined us on Patreon. It's patreon.com slash Detroit Lions podcast. Gone over there, and uh, as little as a dollar a month will get you in and get you all the bennies. But uh, anything more, we appreciate it, helping to support the show. We got a Slack chat, the most intelligent Lions conversation, except for where Case is involved. But it's it's a great conversation. We got Riz, Case, me, all kinds of people in there talking, talking Lions. And uh, this time of year, you're not going to find anything like this. You go to Facebook... You're going to have face cancer. You, you don't even want to go there. This Slack is literally, and I'm not even just BSing here, the best Lions chat you're going to find on the internet. And the pre-show show, you get access, early access to tickets, like for the training camp party and some other stuff, early info. It's a great way to go and support the show and uh, help us do the stuff we do, as well as uh, get yourself some insider and some good info. Give us a like on Facebook, facebook.com slash the Detroit Lions podcast, facebook.com slash the Detroit Lions podcast, and check us out on Twitter at DET Lions podcast, DET Lions podcast, the very best place to see Case. Pull myself up by my bootstraps. <laughs> Subscribe on YouTube, youtube.com slash Detroit Lions podcast. Great stuff there. Just released the trailer a couple, about a week ago. For the training camp party, we're going to premiere something there. you got to see that. It's a sweet, sweet trailer. I've uh, got a great video coming out of that for you guys. And uh, we've got some other surprises. Again, they'll be announced at the party, but some other big YouTube stuff coming for you guys. This, uh, this is going to be a big part of our offering. And uh, I am certain you want to subscribe and hit that bell, get all that notification stuff going, because you're going to love what's coming your way. Rate us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, iHeartRadio now. iHeart, are you kidding me? Wherever you go for that kind of stuff, we're there. Uh, go on there, give us a review, let us uh, get those five stars out of you, let people know how great the show is. If you got something you don't like, that's okay. You can head over to the subreddit, DetroitLions.reddit.com, and uh, 
hit us up in the thread under the show and uh, let us know what you'd like to see changed. This is your show. This is a community show. And we are happy to work those suggestions in and make the show better at your behest. Give us a call via Skype. Detroit Lions Podcast. All one word. Detroit Lions Podcast. Or call us in the Lions line. 929-33-LIONS. It's 929-335-4667. Leave us a message and get a chance to hear yourself on the show. Tighten your chin straps, kids. It's time to review This Week in Reddit. All right, it's time to talk about all the fun and exciting things going down this week in Reddit. And um, we talked about it last time a little bit, Case, but I want to do it again. We're kicking off our fifth year now for the podcast. How's that feel? Five. Five. You've known me a long time, my friend. Are we still hugging when we meet? Too long. <laughs> it might be. It might be. We've <laughs> five years of doing this, but there's some really, really big stuff coming. We'll talk about it, and, we, and we're, we're teasing it a little bit uh, with the training camp party because that's where the big reveal and a lot of the stuff is. But uh, stay tuned. We're not, we're not sitting on our laurels. We're not just doing podcasting. We've got great stuff coming because we, we – Big words like laurels. Yeah, laurels. We love to push the envelope. And uh, five years, it turns to 10, 15. Next thing you know, Case has got a beard. I'm going to – I'm in a box somewhere. You know, it's great times. Great times. <laughs> All right. Um, I wanna I wanna also really quickly give a big shout out and thanks to Ash, Ash Crack. Um Yeah. He did a great thing. He great. just he just recorded an episode. Great. You know what I mean? And it was, it was so great. It was like a, it was like it wasn't drinking from a fire hose, it was drinking from a flamethrower. It <laughs> it did well, not stop. He but he was so good. Great. Here's info. here's what he needs here's what he needs to realize, and he may not have realized this when he did it. Um, is that now when I need a week off, I have another person that I can say, hey, you're going on the show this week. <laughs> <laughs> you think so. But, you know, he, he does like 36 credit, not 36 really, but I mean, I'm not even kidding when I say like in the 20s, credit hours a semester to get his college done right now. He's cranking yeah. through that. Guy is massive busy, but on his own time, he just rocked that out. Thank you, Ash. Great, great stuff. A lot of great feedback on you. And uh he just did it of his own accord, put it together and said, hey, use it or don't, whatever. I just put it together. I was, I was happy to use it. So thanks, Ash. You yeah. are and always have been the man. All right. Um, let's get into it. We got uh, Nate Burleson weighing in a little bit on his time in Detroit. And I found this. This was interesting. I love good Detroit stories. I love when players connect to the city. And, and th- this is one thing you can, you can see when you look at players for any sports team. And they can, you know, they they can talk and talk. They show up at the schools and do all the things that they have to do, right? But in the off season, do they live in the city? That's that's one of the, I think, the key things that shows you how 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 much vacations everywhere, and they, you know, you go vacation all over. But do they live in the city? That gives you a real sense of commitment of that that player mm-hmm. to to the town. And then after they retire, they talk more and, and, and open up. And it's not necessarily, you know, I, I when I retire, I'm not sure that I'm going to uh, I'm going to live in Detroit when I retire. Um not because I don't love the city, but because there's opportunities to get other things that are that are, are better for someone who's at that stage of their life, right? I got a lot of, a lot of time to think about that. But um shut up. Uh Burleson <laughs> <laughs> Burleson did his thing Quickly where unsubscribing <laughs> Now, <laughs> Burleson did a really good thing. Um, you know, you're a couple years on, and he tells a great story. And uh, I just thought I want to share it. This is from Wingspan One, my uh, plus one at the uh, the Lions game when they played in Tampa. Here, um, he found this, and I want to make sure we get on. So let's uh, let's listen to Nate really quick. Well, Detroit was special to me because at the time, 
we weren't really a good team. Uh, two years prior to me being there, it went 0-16. The year before that, 2-14. and The city was actually bankrupt when I was there. So it was some hard times. Um, some of my favorite memories were going out to eat with my teammates, talking with fans that showed us support even though we didn't deserve it. We weren't winning games. And quite frankly, these fans weren't making the most money. I remember one particular time I was out with my buddies, about to go to a concert, stop at an Italian place. Individual comes up, um, older gentleman, and he says, hey, I just want to tell you, I appreciate the way you guys are playing. I spent every last dime to go to these games. You guys are different from years past. You guys might not be winning, but your effort is there. That's all I care about. I show up Sundays to see guys play with effort, and your team is different than teams from the past. Thank you. So he walks away. Our waitress comes over and I said, hey, that chef that came over and talked to us, um, what's his name? She said, the chef? Yeah, the guy that was just talking to us at the table. He had the uniform on. She's like, oh, that's not a chef. He works downstairs sweeping the kitchen. And she walked away. And we all looked at each other. Nobody said a word. And I'm pretty sure they were thinking what I was thinking was that one statement where he said, I spend every dime on tickets and I'm there every Sunday. And this is a guy making crumbs, sweeping the kitchen of a restaurant. And I looked down at the table. I took my hat off. I said, guys, you don't have to do anything. I'm about to put some money in this hat and I'm going to send it downstairs in a couple minutes. And we all just poured money into it. You know, the gesture was nice. I'm pretty sure we never talked to him. We didn't want to pat on the back for it. I think the money that he received, it wasn't as impactful as the words that we received. All right. So there was a, uh, there was on like the Ricky or Rachel show. I don't know something, some, some daytime talk show, but uh, what a dick, huh? Case. What a real jerk. This Nathaniel Burleson is. Yeah. I just, um, <laughs> boy, do I wish there were um, that the fans like that fan were all the fans. Um, that don't, even when the results aren't perfect, that recognize when the effort is being made. Um, that's, that's what I take away from that. And I love Nate. I've always loved Nate. Um, uh, as both a player on the field, uh, for, you know, what he was and off the field ever since, um, he's been, He's he's one of my favorite ex lions, um, one of my favorite all time lions. Um, on a on a uh, like emotional level, um, but man, I wish that I wish that every fan that we that's what we should all aspire to be as fans, in my opinion. But yeah, no, I, I don't disagree. That was that was. That's a guy who cares about people, who, who who really loves the city, and the city grew on him. He he saw the heart. He he appreciated the heart of of what is Detroit, and he let it you know in in his own. And there's there's a lot of guys, right? Football's a business, and I get that. You don't have to love the city. You just do. You go out there and you you do your job, right? To to steal that from from Patriots land. Um, but there's you know there's guys that don't even do that. They just show up, right? And um, 
to respect the, the 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 sacrifice. I mean, look, the, the players are making the sacrifice, but we get it. I mean, I, th- I think a lot of fans get. There's some dopey fans that don't. And I get it. Right? They're 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 there and they they exist everywhere, and that's part of the the hassle of being a player and having to deal with fans, right? But I, I think a majority of fans want to see that effort. Want to see the team that cares. I went. I, I went and saw the the Tigers play last week on Friday, and it was the, the three-day game or four-game celebration of the national championship Tigers from 84. It was a great team. I'll never forget that that World Series. And I'm not a huge baseball guy, but that was great. I got to tell you, by about the seventh inning in that game, and it was a close game still, you could just get the sense that the players kind of wanted out of there, the refs wanted out of there. It was time, They were just kind of phoning it in. They, they just didn't seem to to have that hunger or that passion. They just were just out there and they were standing in place and doing whatever they had to do. And you can see that as a fan, that level of commitment from a player and, and whether they're, you know, working hard, I guess is one way to say it, right. Or whether they're giving their all win or lose. You want to see, you're paying money to see them give everything they can. You can't expect them to win every game. Yeah, sure. I want a championship. I want all championships every year. Um, in, in and whole, I don't think we're suggesting that we should all be satisfied with anything less than no. Super Bowl. You're, you shouldn't be satisfied. Right. You also shouldn't be a dick. Right. Yeah, right. No. And, <laughs> and, and that's that's it. And 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 um, to, but to see somebody, you know, touch on an emotional level like Nate was there, that was that was really cool to see that from a, a former yeah. player and someone in Detroit. And I know I mean, the city you'll see when you come for training camp, I want to give you the best tour I can case the city gets inside you. It gets it gets it's a lot of people say that Africa gets under your skin and it becomes this place that you, you must return to. Detroit's like that for me. And I don't know cause if I, it's because I grew up there and it's familiar, you know, 30 some years there. Um but but Detroit's a special place with special people who who are different, who who work harder and will outgrind and outgun, and anybody else anywhere else I've seen, and uh, it's interesting. So uh, it was neat to see Nate get that, and and Nate Nate's a guy that worked really really hard at his craft and worked really hard and cared about what he did. Uh, so I think that's part of the reason that he fit in so well and and kind of was able to find that heart in this city. So uh, good stuff to Nate, from Nate there, and um, I don't know, I just. Uh, that, that hit me. You know what I mean? It hit me in, yeah. uh, in, in where it matters. So thanks for finding that Wings fan one. Thanks for sharing that. Um, all right, next one. Um, this one was posted to the subreddit as well. It is titled, Note to Daryl Bevel, Keep Matthew Stafford Under Center More Often. It's from Sauce <laughs> Ami. Um, so, so, my... So, so me, so, oh, so, so me, some guy, I think he goes by the name Case. What are you, what are you doing shilling for Riz? I mean, are you getting, are, are you getting paid on the side I, here? What's going I, on? I, I was surprised that nobody else had posted it, so I went ahead and did it myself. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just, I'm just a lonely old karma whore over here. But, um, <laughs> I, I will tell you that it's one thing, as, as appreciated as he is, his his articles, I think, in our subreddit are underappreciated. They don't get posted as often or as much as oh, I think I agree. They, uh, they could. I agree. He's a hell of a talent. He's a hell of a writer. No, I mean, because of our connection, specifically because of our connection, I typically don't post any of this stuff. I you know I'll let somebody else do it. Um, but in this instance, it it uh, rung a significant bell with me, and I didn't see it in the subreddit, so I went ahead and posted. It. And um, 
Uh, I think it's, you know, uh, it, it harkens back to my origins as a uh, stats guy. Like when I first got inter- interested in the NFL, like stats were basically all I cared about. Um, and so it harkened back to that. So um, the basic uh, rundown is that both uh, last year and through his career, uh, Matthew Stafford has done much better uh, in terms of his um, production under center, uh, in terms of his passer rating efficiency, uh, TD, the INT ratio, that kind of thing, uh, than he has done in the shotgun. And um, it's uh, it's a thing. And and now there's a lot of context that can go into that and the situations and the players that were around him and the, you know, how uh, how his offensive coordinators were using him under center versus in shotgun and things like that. So I'm not saying it's a perfect stat or anything like that, but I would say that you know it is interesting to see um, where a guy excels, and it, it, I think you know the the degree of disparity in his statistics uh, between under center and in the shotgun suggests that you should probably do what you can. Bevel, as Jeff says, open letter to Bevel, um, to at least increase the percentage that he's being under center as opposed to shotgun. If you're running the Cooter Lombardi offense. If you're running the Cooter Lombardi offense. (laughs) (laughs) I've just named that, sorry. Um, No, it's interesting because that's, you know, this is the thing about football. When we talk to the AI guy, and I know that it wasn't wasn't your realm of, of excitement, Casey, but last year I remember we talked to him using AI, the big thing about predictability um, in any kind of data set is having a large amount of data. There's only yeah. 16 games in football. And with only 16 games, you you, you have to really try to control uh, for, for crazy variables. And when you change an offensive coordinator and scheme, that, that's a big difference, right? And, and I'm not you, saying you're wrong, really right? really tough to predict the change. Yeah, that's gonna yeah. Occur. Does it mean in Bevel's offense that it's – does it directly translate that he's going to be better under center? No, right? I mean, literally, no, it does not. Now, we have some some historical perspective that it worked in the Cuda Lombardi offense, and that's that's the name of this thing now. Um, but it doesn't necessarily mean – it doesn't mean it won't either, right? And and I would say that Riz is, is probably not wrong on this one, that it does translate. But, boy, things are different between one and the next offense. And I just don't think that it's nearly as cut and dry as maybe we might think as a result of this. Am I, am I, I, am I completely wrong? I won't argue with that at all. <sighs> I know you want me to, cause we want to fill space, but no, no, I don't need to fill space. <laughs> I, got, I got seven lines of, of bullets. We're eliminating from the show. Yeah. So we could talk for yeah. hours. <laughs> Sorry, I'm man. Not even kidding. <laughs> you all this prep work. And I, I just like arguing with you. Agreeing with that's what it is. All right, no, that was that was a good one. Riz, Riz, Riz is on to something here. Um, I am really, really interested to see how this plays out this year and what the what it means for uh, the team in the new in the kind of new reality of the the Bevel offense. I'm. I know we got a lot of guys out there that are speculating on what it means and how this team is going to be, but it is. Just like when we hired Patricia, it's all speculation. Nobody knows what the hell we're going to see here. And we're trying to put together pieces and, and, and build a picture from very, very imperfect and limited information. So um, don't get too worked up about it. Just let it let it play out. Let's see what happens, and uh, we'll go from there. 
we can't just sit here and talk about Riz. It's it's just not good to talk about the man unless he's here. So he's decided to join us. Hey, Riz, how you doing, man? Hi, guys. <laughs> were your ears well, burning? Hello. Talking it's about good you. To be here. Were your ears burning a little bit while we were talking about oh, your article? A little bit, yes. Right. I, I appreciate I appreciate the pimpage. Nice. <laughs> well, if anybody can be pimped, it's it's the Riz. Hey, let's let's t- talk about big pimping. I, we want to get into one topic quick before we step into the mailbag. And that's not M-A-L-E, it's M-A-I-L. Um, we got this huge, huge party coming up. Uh, August 2nd, it's the training camp party, annual training camp party. This I officially is- have my tickets, so I'm officially like locked, oh. in, locked in to come this year. This I was a little wishy-washy for a while there just because I wasn't sure I'd be able to afford it, but it's it's a done deal now. So Bingo, bango, baby. It's, it is, and it's, it's big. We got Case, we got Riz, we got Dean Blandino showing up. We got Dan Miller showing up. We're even going to do, and I got to tell you guys, this is a good deal. We're going to do a Q&A with Dean Blandino involving the audience, the the crowd, the folks that are coming there. Ask your questions to Dean. If you if you want to know about the Calvin catch, you want to get in-depth and what happened, the behind-the-scenes, whatever, this is your chance. Dan is going to moderate it. He's going to be do some of his own questions. He's going to bring in the audience questions, and we're going to do that as part of the live show. So you guys, will, you guys will check that out. It's definitely worth it. Get your questions in. It's a great opportunity. Uh, again, Case is there this year. Riz is there. I'm there. It's at the Uptown Grill, August second, guys. I did it. We've got a special, easy way to go to get your tickets. Just go to party.detroitlionspodcast.com. Party. It's easy. Yeah. Party, I can, party. I, I can do that. Yeah. Party.detroitlionspodcast.com. Pick up your tickets. It's a great deal. Dinner's included. Uh, side. No pants necessary. No pants required. <laughs> Soft drinks. We've got a great room. We've got a great setup. It's going to be awesome. Um, there's yeah. also, for those who want to make it but can't, there's a live stream available. And we're doing something a little different. I mean, we spent a lot of money on this equipment and putting this together uh, and cameras as well. Um, we're, we're doing a $5 ticket for the live stream and you'll get mailed on the day of the show or the day of the, the party you'll get mailed your your live stream link uh to access the the live stream of the show um there, it'll be free don't worry if you just want to see it you don't want to buy pay a ticket for it it'll be free but it's going to be a fully edited version you're not going to see all the all the shenanigans and some of the things that go down it's just we, there might be some like pixelated stuff in there <laughs> there's there's us and then there's the stuff you can see on the regular like pg world <laughs> right so um if you want to take part in it and see in its uncut uh glory then definitely uh check out the live stream link if you can't make it <laughs> that's supposed to be pixelated the uncut glory <laughs> It's always phrasing, right? Oh man, it's gonna be. I know. I know. Sandman will be there. Everyone, everyone's gonna be there. It's gonna be a great time. So make sure to join us again. Party.DetroitLionsPodcast.com. Get your ticket. Dinners included. Uh, soft drinks, the whole thing. But of course, there's there's regular drinks. Uh, it's from six to ten p.m. Uh, afterwards, we're gonna keep going. They they'll let us sit in the room for as long as we can until they finally got to shut it down. But there's a bar there, and I've got a great place in mind actually for the after party. If anyone wants to hang around with that, also. I want to talk about the day before. So, oh, go ahead. The after the after party is always good. Last year, it was just four of us. Yeah, we had a really good time at that converted driving range. So it was a bar. Yeah. I, I, I really enjoyed that. I had a great time. They raised that. It was the copper mug, and they they took yeah. it down. Yeah, they took no it way. Down. Yeah, it's oh. gone. Um, so that was with us. Ken and Malcolm were with us, right? I yep. think that's who it was. Yep. yep. That was well, awesome. great. I would have shown you guys just how far <laughs> I can't drive a golf ball. But. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, let's. Uh, we can go ahead of that. Before ahead of that party, August first is Zach Zenner Day at Trent Lions Training Camp. You can head on over, uh, join us there. We'll be there. We'll be the noisy loud ones. Riz, t-shirts. I think. Yep, t-shirts will be available. You can go to store.detroitlionspodcast.com. All the shirts are available in the merch store there. Get your Zach Zenner shirt for sure for that day. It's how we can identify each other and and how to help make a a, a good splash. It'll be a lot of fun. Riz may have his uh, Lions Wire duties as a credentialed media member, so he may not be making as much noise as the rest of us but sandman and case and i will be there of course i'm i'm sure mathis will be there and and the rest of the gang uh usually a bunch of us hang out so it'll be a lot of fun join us we're gonna do lunch every day that week after uh training camp so wednesday and thursday tuesday i'm picking up case from the airport we've got a a, a private lunch uh pants free private lunch and then we're gonna head out to uh (laughs) to do our thing uh just to show him the, the place and do some other things get him around town get him warmed up so Check it out. We will be hanging out all week with folks, so check us out at uh, training camp and then the big party on the second with all those great names. Really, really good. Fun stuff coming up. Guys, I really can't wait. This is going to be a hell of a time. It's going to be fun. All right. Um, let's get into it. I know um, we want to pixelate this, but we're getting into the mailbag. And uh, when Case does it, it's M-A-L-E bag, but the rest of us are M-A-I-L. It's all about the spelling. <laughs> Uh, Queso's email address is also at hotmail.com, spelled the same way. All right, we're going to start out here with the first way. Uh, first question, this is from the wonderful Mr. Woods. And uh, Case... Of course it is. <laughs> Case, I'm going to hit you uh, with this one first, and then Riz can cut way in on it. Uh, I'm curious if we truly have a number one receiver, and if a team can win a Super Bowl without one. Again, the wonderful Mr. Oh, Woods. Oh, shit. Okay. Uh, well, the... Uh, the uh coincidence probably not the irony but the coincidence of this is that i was just talking just talking about marvin jones um that's why i wanted to go to you first i don't know the answer uh to that question and i'd like to know the answer to that question but it's dependent on two things it's dependent on whether or not kenny galladay takes another step forward i mean he's only going to be in his third year it it's not exactly like he's a you know a seasoned veteran so i mean if he's got room to grow then Certainly, uh, he could be that guy. The other thing is that I know, you know, it, it really it, it comes down to definition and semantics on how you want to define number one wide receiver because Marvin Jones could have easily been called a low level number one wide receiver in 16, 17. Um, if you want to look at in terms of production, uh, he's certainly he was in the you know the top fifteen, top twenty mm-hmm. of all wide receivers um, those years uh, in terms of yards. He also racked up um, quite a few touchdowns. He racked up nine touchdowns in two thousand seventeen. Uh, that's you know that is higher than Calvin had a couple of years for sure. Um, so if you want to look at it for, through the lens of production, sure, um, the, he plays he can play the X position. Um, which is typically the uh, number one wide receiver position. Um, can you flow an entire offense through him? That's a different question, and I don't know the like. I don't know that he's quite that guy. But again, it depends. Like, how many teams in the league have a true number one wide receiver? Do do you look at every team and say, well, they all have a number one wide receiver? Because if you do that, you can certainly call him a number one wide receiver in in the sense that he could be you know, the top producing wide receiver on half the teams in the league the last few years. Uh, I mean, you know, minus the games he missed from injury. Um, But so it really like 
to me, myself personally, I consider him either low level uh, number one wide receiver or high level number two receiver. That's my opinion on it because he does play, he can play the role of the downfield threat. He doesn't, we all know that he isn't the greatest at separation, but his jump ball skills, his body control, his hands, um, he are all near elite levels. Um, so even when he can't get separation, he can still come down with miraculous catches down the field that are, that are huge things on top of all of which he's led the league, um, in 2016 and 2017 this last year, he didn't probably just because he missed half the year. Um, in yards from defensive pass interference. So, so you're a Jones well, fan. those aren't well. That doesn't add on to his stats. It's almost it's almost just as valuable as getting the yards themselves to get that defensive pass interference call on you. Sure. So that's my feeling on Marvin Jones. All right. So uh, Riz, we'll start out with go ahead and ding him for the separation thing, and then tell us can a team win a Super Bowl without a number one receiver? <laughs> <laughs> I I happen to think that Kenny Galladay is the number one wide receiver in Detroit. Interesting. Um, I think you're probably right, especially after Marvin's getting older. He's coming off of an injury. He is not the kind of guy that has typically had a lot of success in a Daryl Bevel offense. Um, okay. his out, That's his, an interesting thought. His outside guys are pure speed guys. Um, guys like um, Tyler Lockett, Paul Richardson had some work there. Obviously, they weren't. They're not as good as Marvin Jones, but that that kind of role, the way that they have played their wide receivers in Seattle and, and for a little bit in Minnesota as well, he, he likes the fast guys, the guys who can pull the safety deep off the side and open up the middle of the field for play action to the tight end. That, that's that's Daryl Bevel's offense in a nutshell. I don't think Marvin's that great at that guy. If he if you're like... We don't have that guy, though. So no, Bevel's no, going no, to adjust. Right, exactly. <laughs> yeah. and it's on him to adjust. That. As far as like number true number one, I use the air quotes here. Wide receivers, there's not that many. Julio Jones, AJ Green, I think Mike Evans is there. Um, DeAndre Hopkins is obviously there. I think Antonio yep. Brown is there. I, I think Devontae Adams has proven that he's there. Uh, Juju Smith-Schuster is probably there. There's not a lot though. I mean, I'm, Michael Thomas down in New Orleans is another one that's obviously good. Um, Cooper in Dallas has proven to be that guy, but. You know, and I completely agree with that. And this is exactly why I said it kind of depends on how you define the right. Hmm. Right. If you're defining it as like a guy who's like, a, you you think of him right away when you're thinking of the best players in the game, you're never going to think of Marvin Jones in that. Right. Capacity. He's not that he has always been a really good number two to a solid number one. When he was in Cincinnati, he played for with AJ for a little bit. He went to uh, Detroit and, you know, Calvin was there. Golden Tate's there. Mm-hmm. And I thought he and Golden Tate complemented each other perfectly. I thought that was a brilliant personal yeah, pairing. And it's over now. And he, because Galladay is a different type of receiver, and this is not a, a shot at, at Galladay or Jones. It's just that their dynamic is different. And I don't think it brings out the best in Marvin. Mm. And uh, so that's, that's where I met with that. Now, as far as can you win a Super Bowl without a number one wide receiver, who was the New England Patriots leading wide receiver last year? Wasn't Hogan? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I completely. Who, who was the Philadelphia Eagles number one wide receiver the year before? Alshon Jeffrey. Nope, Nelson nope. Aguilar. Okay. Oh my God! Yeah, you're right. <laughs> you, you, right. you can win without it. You go back. Demarius Thomas in Denver had 106 catches in a year where Emmanuel Sanders also had 80 catches and over a thousand yards. That was the last. That was uh, 2014. That was the last time that the team had a true number one wide receiver um, that won a Super Bowl. 
Very interesting. Uh, can I? Well, that, that, that's exactly what I was about to say because uh, I had another conversation on RNFL, which I don't, I don't go to RNFL very often, but when I do, I always end up in an argument. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, if everyone but meets it, an it, asshole it, case. The conversation started because I said something along the lines of that we had overpaid Calvin um, and a Jets fan. We did. Very upset about that, saying, well, you have no idea, you know, what you had. And I said, well, generally speaking, I would much rather have, you know, a group of three to four guys who are uh, average at their level than one guy who's great and a bunch of slubs. And he was like, well, the Jets had mediocre receiving core forever and it didn't do them anything. I was like, well, two things. Number one, the Jets didn't have a mediocre receiving core. They had a bad receiving core. Yes, yes they did. <laughs> Second, uh, they also had some pretty significant quarterback issues going on. So, like, <laughs> I'm not sure yeah. that's really relevant to sure. this. You know, no. The example for that one that I will always use is Andre Johnson with the Houston Texans when yep. when Kevin Walter was his number two for years and years and years, and he's a guy who wouldn't have made other teams and he was a yep. number two receiver. Yep. Yep. I so, remember Chris Durham very vividly. Yeah. Yep. The Texans, <laughs> the Texans sure were remember. awful when Andre Johnson was there. So let me I'm gonna step in a little bit here on the on the use of receivers from a more of a strategic and a bevel standpoint, right? I remember when Bevel came in for about three weeks, the narrative in the, the media was that we are a run first team. Is it run first team? Are we, it was all about run first, run first, run first. The reality is that the Bevel strategy, it, it is a run first, a run heavy scheme. And a scheme well, was that, a, that, parts in his career. that draws the defense in to defend the run. And then you blast past them with the speed wide receiver. That's, that's what we've seen. Um, I don't think that that changes with the wide receivers he has. They may not be speed, but you can beat them with route running. You can beat them with um, in different ways. And those contested balls, Marvin Jones will be signal covered um, out somewhere because they're trying to play against the run. You put Amendola, you talk about Hawkinson, you talk about some of the other guys you have out there as well. It, it uses strategically the pass game the same way he has by leveraging the run game to set that up. And it's again, I, I, we'll talk about this more because this is uh, this is something that I've been thinking about a little bit. This is a different team than it used to be. And for years, since Linehan was here, we used the pass to set up the run. And that's gone out the window. I'm telling you that is out the window this year. And Lions fans are not going to know how to react. And Lions fans, being Lions fans, are going to freak out early because this isn't what they're used to seeing. I'm just, I'm just putting it out there right no, now. It's, it's so it's funny. Strategically we complained so much about it for so long, and now we're going to see it change, and we're going to see complaints coming the other direction. Yep. So this is a strategically different approach. So when you think about uh, Galladay, and when you think about Amendola, and when you think about Marvin Jones. You need to think about them in the context of what this change is and how you can use them schematically and the strategic differences in how they're used. So they may be just fine receivers in, the, in this new system. So that's kind of where my head was at on that one. Um, we can win a Super Bowl. We'll be fine. It'll be this year, too. All right. Uh, we'll move on to the next one. Case, I want to go, I want to, go to you. Can you explain? Oh, no. Sorry, Riz. I want to go to you. Sorry. I went to Case first the last time. Can you explain some of the responsibilities of the center position? Calling out uh, protections and so on and how these things may be different and hopefully better with Ragnow taking over at center. This is from Greg Martin on the Twitter machine. That's a good question. Uh, it varies from line to line and scheme to scheme, but in general, the center is the guy who's going to call out the mic. Um, you hear they, they sit they're, they're squatting there. They're pointing. They're, they're pointing to the guy who is as in at the middle linebacker for their protection scheme. It does. It doesn't necessarily correspond by the way with the guy who's the actual middle linebacker on the defense. Right. It's how they're shading their team. Whether they're going to, you know, roll their protection to the right, whether they're going to, you know, do a bunch of different things, he is generally going to know 
Um, if there's a blitz, he's going to call that out. He's going to see that. He's going to try to recognize the defensive formation and and relay that to his mates that are up on the line. If the quarterback can hear him, which is easier to do under center, to go back to the previous topic, um, then, then he can get that to Sta- information to Stafford. I, I like the fact that Ragnall has played center, and he played it in the SEC where there's defensive guys who tremendous defensive minds in yep. the SEC. Exactly. They're, they're throwing everything at you all the time with Nick Saban, with, uh, oh, crap, uh, uh, the dude from LSU. Um, the, Formerly the Nick current. Saban. Yeah. <laughs> yes. You know, the, the, the guy from just, Michigan State, too. Oh, yeah, Nick Saban. Yeah, yeah. And, and Toledo. And Miami. Yeah, oh, sorry. Yeah. And, and Kent State, briefly. Yeah. <laughs> so you're playing um, against Nick Saban's 12 teams. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. So... Uh, the other thing is is that you're also going to identify like if there's a chance to do a quick snap, and that's something that you have to get practice with. Aaron Rodgers is a, is brilliant at that, although I'll say this. His center, J.C. Treader, for a long time, he did that last year with Baker Mayfield in Cleveland too, so it's, it wasn't just Rodgers that, that figured that out. A, a smart center can do that too. Yep, um, and we talked about I this think, last I, time we did a show, yeah, Riz, think, about how important yeah. that is and how that's going to yeah, make and it. I, it's, it's and I think right now can do that. And I think I think he's going to be fine at center. I'm okay with Glasgow at center if that if need be if it works out that way. But it sure seems like it's going to be Frank right now at center, and and I, I think he's going to be fine. He's, he he can absolutely handle it. Yeah, he's he's so, shown, and, he's shown and he's comfortable there. He's really excited about taking the role on. He can see from the interviews we've seen him in. What about you, Case? Where you, where's your thoughts on this? You think Ragnar is going to make us better at center? I mean, it feels good at least to have Glasgow as a as a backup, a guy who's done it and started in that role. Well, yeah, I mean, I don't have a lot to add to the conversation other than uh, you know Glasgow being the versatile player he is now. Ragnar also, you know, having the versatility that he has. Um, we all, I mean, we all know that versatility is a, is a huge buzzword for the Lions. So, I mean, they're going to, they're going to push for that and every opportunity they get. And, uh, as far as, as far as we're going multiple, multiple (laughs) versatile, however you want to phrase it. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't think I have anything to add to what Jeff said. He's, he's more knowledgeable on the particular topic than I am anyway. So I'll leave it. I'll let him, uh, yeah, don't step on it. (laughs) <laughs> All right. Uh, Amendola on a one-year deal. I'm surprised no effort was made to draft a slot-wide receiver to develop for the future. I want to believe that Powell can do it, but uh, not really feeling that. Um, that emphasis is mine, but he spelled it out just exactly like that. Uh, what are your thoughts on the position? I don't Again, know, Jeff's Martin. laughing at the face I was making. Or just, oh, yeah, no. The thought of Brandon Powell being an answer to anything that you would want to have a question be answered positively is. Would is, you like fries with that? <laughs> folks, folks, Brandon Powell is not good. He is not an NFL wide receiver. I'll just say it. Mm-hmm. If, if he makes your team, you need help at wide receiver. That's yeah. all I'll say about Brandon Powell. Well, you know I what? Mean, it sounds like he could make this team. <laughs> and and what has been my overriding theme for the entire offseason? The Lions wide receivers are bottom three in the NFL. Guess what? They're still there. Even I if don't Marvin Jones comes with back. That, with but well, I, think I understand you, where you're coming from. I don't agree, but I do understand where you're coming from. Are you talking about the whole package of wide receivers, Riz, or are you talking about the, yes. the starters? See, no, I, I agree. No, the whole, the whole, the whole talking top to bottom depth yeah. chart, and, 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 and that's where, where I would agree more with with Riz. Right, if you're saying no, starters, as far as starters, like like Marvin and Kenny as your starters, and you can throw Amendola in as your third. That's middle of the pack, maybe on a good yeah. week. They're they're probably a little bit better than that. your fourth and fifth wide receiver. The guys that are on this roster now would make zero zero other teams. Yeah, and that's a real issue because injury is is 
just decimates yeah. all your opportunity there. Yeah. My feeling on it is just that, it, um, you know, I, I was surprised that they didn't address it at any point in the draft or, or stronger yeah. in free agency, but it always comes back to you can only get so many things done mm-hmm. in a single offseason and, and something yeah. has to give. And that's what gave this year. I agree with that. That's that's a good take. Stupid salary cap. All right, we'll move on. <laughs> uh, what key free agent finds are still lurking out there? I mean, this is this is the key spot. We're talking about a wide receiver. Any good receiving prospects that will fit our system? Mike Hodges uh, via the Twitter machine came up with that one. Um, boy, the pickings are slim, aren't they? It, it, the, the big name is Michael Crabtree. And... Mm-hmm. Uh, he he was really good last year in Baltimore when Joe Flacco was the quarterback. When uh, when when Lamar Jackson took over, he kind of fell off a cliff, as mm-hmm. did all of their offense, other than Lamar Jackson running the ball really well. He is still he's thirty one. He does drop the ball a lot, uh, but he's still he's he's still a viable starting wide receiver. Um, he is not a slot guy really, um, certainly not in this offense. If, if you're looking for a like a diminutive water bug type guy. Pickens are pretty slim right now. I, mean, I, I brought this up before, finer. but I, I, I still, I still like. I, I want to relive the days of Anquan Bolden, and, and oh, is the that's why I one. want to think that maybe, maybe, maybe Crabtree could be that guy. But there, there's a thought of. I mean, he's he's not soft by any means, yeah. so he could do that. I'm just looking at some of the other names. So the, I'm, I'm looking at a site right now. The number three available slot wide receiver is the guy that we had, Bruce Ellington. I don't think so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'd rather go with Powell. <laughs> and we did. <laughs> I know a lot of people are excited about Ellington. Yeah. I mean, um, I'm, God, Pierre Garcon's out there. He, he he's probably, I mean, he's, prob- he's got to be retiring. He's probably he's at the end. Yeah. Um, it's going to take a lot to get. There's, there's, there's guys on here that didn't make, that couldn't make the Jets, that couldn't make the Dolphins. I mean, no, <laughs> it's not good, yep. not good at all. all Kelvin right. Benjamin. <laughs> oh God! I now there's another guy that you could like a big body that you could, mm-hmm. you know, if if he if was he cared, if he cared. He's like Michael Roberts. With he's a really big attitude. body, but <laughs> if you could make him care, I, I feel like he'd be a good player. <laughs> wow. God, there's some real crap out there. Andre Holmes is not awful, but no, he's not. Oh, it's boy. not. It's not good. Well, really, I'm, so I'm, I'm scrolling up now and I'm looking at the running backs. Laguerre and Plus, Laguerre and Plus, the number two available running back. There is nothing left, folks. <laughs> oh man, those Good bones been picked clean. In the in the quarterbacks, Brad Kaya is number five. Oh, sign him, sign him. <laughs> Brock Osweiler, number one. <sighs> yeah, gosh, at the cock for Brock. Okay, yeah. Hey, oh. you know what? So so look, you're looking at the uh, at the the list of of players available. You That's know, gotta be updated. There's a couple guys on here that have signed, but you, you know your yeah, starters no. aren't getting bounced. You know they're not going anywhere. So it's a good time to head on over to fanatics.detroitlionspodcast.com and lock in your jersey for the year, right? I mean, let's face it. You know what the roster is going to be. We're not picking up somebody. There's some places where you could see, and we'll talk about that in the running back position. Maybe a guy could get bounced from the bottom of the the list, but you know, carry on's there. You know Anderson's going to be there. You know Stafford. You know Jones. You know Galladay. You know all your boys are out there. 
don't jump in on Slay just yet. <laughs> don't jump in on Snacks just yet. But head over. Fanatics.DetroitLionsPodcast.com. We'll take you straight to their site. Set a little cookie. They'll give us a kickback. It's a great way to support the show and support your team in a way you're going to do anyway. So, again, one more time. Fanatics.DetroitLionsPodcast.com. Get all your sports memorabilia, your gear, your blankets, anything for barbecues, for college ball, for hockey, baseball, the whole thing. It's all there. Got my lid there from uh, from the fanatics. Get, get your Derrick Rose Pistons jersey there for the go. 15 games he'll be able to play. There you go. Ah, uh, good stuff. So, all right, let's move on. Another question here. Uh, we got two more questions, and then we're gonna get two. We have two phone in questions that we're gonna we're gonna field here. Uh, the first one is, and we'll uh, we'll go to you on this one case first. Will any of the contract yep. negotiations or extensions, example, snacks or Slay or even Glasgow, play a role in how many running backs we keep on the roster? And if they keep or cut heavy contracts like Riddick, uh, as as a, as an example, that's James Ray or Ray James. I can't tell. He's got two first names. He put them one way in, on his name and the other way on his on his Twitter handle. So I'm just gonna put, leave that as is. And then I'm gonna put there's a there's a sidebar question that goes with this that came from Ian Evans. Do we keep five running backs or does Zenner look like the odd man out here? So let's go ahead with we'll we'll put those two together because I think they're in the same realm. Case, what do you think? Uh, I mean, I don't think that the contract situations with Snacks and Slay will have any impact, really, because there's enough flexibility that if they wanted to keep, uh, you know, they, they're not going to, I don't think that's going to be the deciding factor in whether or not they decide to keep uh, how many running backs or which running backs. Um, I do still think it's a very likely scenario that they move on from Theo Riddick. Uh, he's making ooh, more than he's worth. Mm-hmm. And he's um, older. I'm going to tell, I'm going to I'm going to jump right on that one with you, Case. I don't think Riddick makes it. I think he's older, slower. Wow. Um, he's not the Riddick he used to be, and he still costs a lot. I think I think they're going to move on from him. They may try to get some some trade bait out of him, maybe a draft pick or something. But I just don't I, think he makes the the year. Wow. I went, I went back. I went back and watched some highlights from uh, his first couple like breakout seasons, and I remembered why I fell in love with him. Um, and then I watch, I watch highlights from the last couple of years and they're, you know, they're highlights and there's some really good things in there, but it, he truly does not look like the same player on the field anymore. Um, the, the incredible cuts, the incredible agility, uh, side to side is just, and, and the, the will to get every possible thing out of every single play, um, after he caught the ball is just it it, it is wasn't there on our uh, youtube it, channel you can see the ebron gives up play and and i this is forever burned in my memory where they handed it to theo and ebron was like oh, just missed his block and then turned and looked at the sideline while theo's running and scampering in the backfield trying to make something out of nothing and, and ebron's just there uh, looking at the sideline giving up like he always did <laughs> and uh <laughs> and I, I was like god that theo and I'm gonna find him and just give um, him a big so. <laughs> it's just one of those things where uh, Theo cared, and I, I just he may still care just as much as he does. And I really, really like Theo. I don't want to knock him at all. Right? He's he's a great dude. Loved him on the sideline when we saw him in Tampa. He was there when we were doing uh, Let's Go Lions and everything else. He was right there having fun, interacting with the crowd. But I just don't think he's the player he was, and I, I see him as the. I just don't think out. he has quite the dynamic that he had uh, in his earlier years. Um, and and Riz has big, to speak here soon. The, <laughs> he's, the, he's arguably, 
you know, his biggest role for the team at the moment would be as a pass blocker. But oh, he's a monster of pass protection. Monster. Yeah, but picking up CJ CJ Anderson changes that a little bit because CJ Anderson is a plus pass blocker. Yes, like, he is. So he's very good too. All right, that, so that reduces that need, and then the issue it, to me, it's not about it's not about whether Zedner gets kicked off. It's whether about um, Ty Johnson. Ty Johnson, mm-hmm. and and to me, to me, getting rid of the contract of of Theo and saving uh, uh, approximately four million. I, I don't have the number yeah. right in front of me. I, I'm I'm looking at it right now. So the, Theo's contract, he is paid. Um, he's in the last year of his contract. He's getting three point four five million in salary. They would save that. They've they have eaten nine hundred and sixty two thousand five hundred dollars in his prorated signing bonus, which gets aggregated out over the, the years of it. So they'll lose just under a million dollars in cap room, um, but that's already spent anyways um, because it's, the year's already started. So they would save three point four five million dollars in salary by cutting him. They don't necessarily need that to sign snacks and or slay to their extensions, but it wouldn't hurt, right? And while I don't think Ty Johnson as it is necessarily going to be as good a player as Theo Riddick is, what he brings is way different. And I think that what he brings he is, is more fat, valuable. Ass, exactly. He, he would be the he only true fast. home run hitter on the team yes. right now. And, so my, so my thought with Ty Johnson, valuable. so I, I look at it this way. I, regardless of whether they keep Riddick or not, and, and I tend to lean your way that he probably... He will need to prove that he has a role on this team that is indispensable. Yeah. And I'm not sure that he will get a chance to prove that. I think Ty Johnson is going to win the return job and Jamal Agnew will not make the team as a result. And that's Ty Johnson's path to the team. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, that's a great point. That's a great point. Because he offers more at running back than Jamal Agnew does at cornerback. And in my opinion, I won't argue with that. No. And, and all of this aside, I love Zach Zander. I, I think Zander makes a team at least one more year. I think he just fits in what Bevel wants to do. He, he, he has all the right pieces to, to do that. I think I keep Zander over, um, over Riddick. I, I, I do. I just if I'm think, in Bevel's you know, if, position. I, I think that Zenner brings a, a level of, uh, running from behind the line ability that Riddick doesn't. And I think that's a more valuable thing in it's this. It's a backup to CJ. So yeah, yeah he, yeah, he can back up Anderson. He can also play special teams. He's improved. It's not that he's a better Absolutely. player than Theo. No, right. His role right. is the role that better fits. And that's, yes, that's unfortunate. Unfortunate, fortunate for for each guy the way it is. And and I love Theo again. I I want to say I've loved him. Talk yeah, about and, him, but and it's yeah, a, uh, I've talked uh, so much smack about him as a player over the last couple of years, but I I have nothing but love for him as a dude in Detroit who is truly you know. He was given his all. Like I don't. I, I he, hope he's, people he's, don't misunderstand that. Right. Yeah. We we all like. He bought into being a Detroit Lion. Yeah. He, he yeah. loved it and he embraced it. And I I love him for that. Yeah. But if if you're not helping the team, it, it's time to move on. Yes. Yeah. That's, that's the the cold reality of business in the NFL. Yeah. No. No. Absolutely. And 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 that's that's the truth. So much loved him. Hopefully he finds. Great success in whatever he does after. They might year. be able to find a trade partner for him as well. Yeah. It wouldn't be anything lucrative, you know, conditional sixth, seventh round pick. But if somebody gets hurt in training camp, that's why I think he's going to linger at least through the preseason. Yeah. Um, and, and be one of those deals Build where like value. somebody, somebody lost a run, their number two running back in their final preseason game. Exactly. We got to get somebody. Um, so, so, okay, here's a sixth round pick. Um, give us theoretic and we'll be happy with. And I think and that, that, that that's, a, that's a very likely scenario. Yeah, for sure. 
if if that happens, that's one of those things where you you you're sad that somebody left, but it's a sign that the organization is in a better spot because you gave up a relatively good player. Um, yes, whenever you're giving up players, so, I mean, other if people that happens, play, that's a good sign. It's a good sign. Yeah, <laughs> it's been a lot of years that that didn't happen. All right, it's a good yeah. sign when your players leave and they get picked up by another team. Yeah, right. <laughs> They're not in a bicycle shop. All right, uh, the next one. Uh, <laughs> this one will be for you, Riz. When do you attribute a player being a bust? Okay, so when do you attribute Ooh. it to the player, and then when do you attribute that? to the GM. This is from Brandon. Brandon K. Brandon Kerr. He, he's on a lot. Um, Hi, t- Brandon. Talk to him. Yeah. The commish. Talk to the commish. Talk to him pretty regularly. This is a good question. This is very existential, is right? I mean, it's a... It big- is. There, there's, there's a lot going on there. So I'll use my favorite draft bust of all time, which is Justin Gilbert. Um, mm-hmm. I liked him. Popular yeah. for the Lions. Yeah. Yes, year. yes, yes, he was. Um, he was... I put his bustedom on the GM of the Cleveland Browns at the time. And I think that was Ray Farmer. They go through so goddamn many. I can't even keep track. <laughs> uh, yeah, that, that was Ray Farmer. Yeah. Um, because that was the same year as Manziel. And I will forever argue with every Browns fan that Justin Gilbert was a much worse pick than, than Johnny Manziel. Because Ooh, if you, if you asked anybody, if you asked anybody at Oklahoma state and I did, they all would tell you that Justin Gilbert didn't give a crap about football. Never did. Didn't care about his teammates. His teammates did not like him. He was there to collect money, period. And it showed in his NFL career. Wow. So that at least Manziel, who's also a horrible boss. See, I think Manziel, on the flip side, I think you can put it on him more than you can on the thing because it was all about his just not wanting to, to get rid of the, the Johnny, the, what was his name? Johnny Football. Right, yeah. He, he was the immature one. Yeah. Um, let, let's go Lions. Who's a big Lions bust? For me, the biggest bust of the last few times is probably Lakin Tomlinson yeah. um, relative to where he was picked. Mm-hmm. Um, he's not a bad football player. He was overdrafted. I think that's on the GM for misevaluating him and taking him where he shouldn't have been taken. And it's he, funny. He was some people thir- just figured out that we turned him into snacks, though. Um, right. We've been talking about that. We we hit that right after we picked up snacks. That that was yeah. the case. I mean, just that alone, though. If you turn Lakin into snacks, all of a sudden that wasn't a draft bust, right? <laughs> and by the way, Lions, Forty Niners fans have figured out pretty quickly that they're overpaying him with that extension that they gave him. Where you remember when all the Lions fans were like, "Oh, look at what the Forty Niners are giving him. He must have been great." Well, no, they're a bad organization, and they, they, <laughs> he's going to be a doctor. Pay. Doctors make a lot of money. He, he's a good dude. He's he's another guy. I I bagged on him mercilessly, like like Case was talking about with Rudy. I loved the guy personally. Yeah. Great, great human being. Great individual man. Just not a very good football player. Yeah. <laughs> and so that one, that one's kind of on him. Uh, I'm trying to think of who some other busts are. Um, Ebron. I don't. I don't, see, I don't I'm not going to call. I'm not even going to call Ebron a bust because I think that was fan related more than it was Ebron related or team related. I, I think the fans made him worse than he ever was, and that got in his head a little bit. So that's a little bit on him. Sure, but he was never bad. He was still a even at his worst in Detroit. His his biggest detractors would have to acknowledge that he was a quality starting NFL tight end. Mm-hmm. He wasn't worth number ten overall. Hell no. But he's he's. I think you saw last year what happens the the drop between. Even Eric Ebron at his worst, and what Luke Wilson, Levine Toilolo, and Hakeem Valdez offered you at their very best. Um, so uh, I, I will not call him a bust. If he doesn't make the roster this year, I mean, tease. 
That's a pretty precipitous yes. fall. Yes. I know yeah. it's a second round pick, not a first round pick, but it's still That's, pretty precipitous still counts. fall. Yeah. 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 I'm trying to think of who else. Um, uh, if you okay, want to go okay, back, okay, I'll, I'll give you a good one here. Solomon Thomas was the number three pick. He was the guy that they swapped with Chicago um, to get Mitch Trubisky. So he, I think, yeah, he wound up going. Yeah. He's, he's not a starter on a San Francisco defensive line that needs help. Now they have DeForest Buckner and they, they again spent another first round pick on another defensive end. They have spent five of their last seven on defensive ends. If you want to go crazy about a, a team that doesn't know how to draft, he might not make their team this year. That is a massive bust, and that one is more on him. Now, he's had some extenuating circumstances. His sister was killed. He's had issues with his family life. There's a, lot, there's a lot going on in Solomon Thomas's life, but he's, he's the been product awful. on the field isn't there. He's been awful on the field. He's, he's not worthy of making an NFL team at this point. That one is probably more on, on the, the player because that was one you'd be hard pressed to find anybody that didn't have him in the top 10 yeah. in that draft class. I hate those um, kind of sad I, I did stories. Because, God, I, I, I didn't because I, I always thought that Stanford players always get fluffed up too high. That's just Stanford. Mm-hmm. Um, if you replace their, if you place this, the S on their helmet with an I for Indiana and they have the same colors, a lot of those guys would be like three rounds later. He wasn't one of those, but they all, they definitely get pumped up a lot higher than they need to be because their coach is also incredibly overrated. Yep. He's no Jim so, Harbaugh. No, no, he's not. He is not. I, I take Jim Harbaugh over David Shaw any day of the week. Yeah, he put them back I, on the map. And I am not a Michigan fan. No, either. no, I know you're not. I know you're not. <laughs> so um, that you know, I think it, you kind of have to take it on a case by case basis, really, Brandon. To uh, to tie back into the question a little bit. Sometimes it's on the player. Sometimes it's on the on the the GM. Sometimes it's just weird things. Sometimes it's bad bad fit. It's sometimes it's both. I mean, you yeah, get a, you, know, you, yeah, you, you see you, you see guys that don't work in one place and they wind up working somewhere else. Let's That's, talk about an obvious one, the the, the recent one from uh, from Detroit, Eric Ebron. Right, this is one where I think it falls on everybody. You got a GM that picked him in a bad spot, who gave fans unrealistic expectations, fans of a team who are already um, a little salty about how the team's been performing. Right, and you bring him in, and he's an immature guy. You know they did their homework on him. You know they interviewed him. You have to have some idea that am I putting this kid in the right position for him to succeed as as a team? So the GM didn't put him in the right position, and then him being who he is didn't help his case at all throughout his time here. And and even even since, right, moving on to Indianapolis, he's he's proven to be just a, a, a total Dick bag, um, it's just it's it's interesting. Hey, but he, the, he, he earned a Pro Bowl spot, though. Yeah, he did. He did, and and and, and, I'm, and I'm not gonna you know talk that down at all um, with the same drop rate. But uh, the the, <laughs> the the reality is it, on that one, I don't think it's a GM fault, and I don't think it's a player's fault. I think that's just an across the board between all of them kind of a fail. Yeah, that's fair. Case, yeah, um, yeah. I well. I, it seems like once a year I end up having a in-depth conversation about uh, the history of Martin Mayhew um, as a drafter um, and as a GM in, in, in total. In total, uh, and with the rumors that he might end up being uh, the the Texans GM, I got brought up again, and uh, it, it's. Um, that's that's where you ask the question: What exactly constitutes a bust, um, and how how much exactly how much blame do you place on a GM when a guy gets when you when you draft a guy who may have 
a somewhat of an injury history. Uh, some guys get drafted with an injury history and go on to have long and productive NFL careers. Some continue their injury history in the NFL. Uh, you got your, your job at best, your Ryan Broyles. Um, oh, Ryan Bro- guys, I kind of forgotten about Ryan Broyles. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, oh. Some guys have some uh, character question marks. Uh, some guys with character question marks come into the NFL and have productive long careers. Some guys do not. You're Titus Youngs. I mean, now that's a pretty extreme case because he went completely insane. But like, exactly trying... I've never quite been able to figure out exactly how much blame I'm willing to place on the GM. And I'm, I'm, it's never a zero, but it's also not always a 100% blame on GM for those kind of things falling apart because like I'm, I, I definitely think he deserves some uh, criticism for the high risk, high reward style that he took. But boy, if a, even a couple of those guys had managed to stay healthy for a few years, we'd look he's at Martin May way different than we do now. Yeah. Yeah. He's probably still working in Detroit. If he, if, if he hadn't taken such wild gambles that lost Yeah, Nick fairly, another one, that one. Yeah, totally. Oh, yeah. Um, that one, I see that it one. Sort because of he, worked out. he had that one really good year and he had it at a time where it prevented them from drafting here. Right. Right. Exactly. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> so where, where is he today? I, I, I worried about him after he left because I, I felt like he had gotten to be in a decent position where he was trying to control some demons, and he he had gotten to a place where he could do that. And then they he he, he was he was really happy New in New Orleans, and they had it all set up for him. And then he has he has heart problems, and he can't pass an NFL physical, so he's out of the league now. Mm-hmm. It's terrible. I, yeah. I, I feel for him. I hope feel he's bad okay. for him because he busted his ass to get in shape when he got because yeah. he's from the New Orleans. And area. His heart was never my biggest concern about him. It was his goddamn knees. But right, yeah. Because his legs are about as skinny as my legs, but he's got about 200 extra pounds on top. So the yes. coffee table has thicker <laughs> legs than Case. So, <laughs> all right. We get to see that at the party. Will you model your your shape of legs for totally, us? Totally, totally. Sweet. Doctor Riz, right here for you. I got your back, folks. <laughs> I'm not wearing any pants. It's not like I'm hiding anything. <laughs> All right, let's move on. Uh, we're going to do the questions. We got two calls with questions in. Uh, first one is from Ken. Hey, Chris, Jace, Ken and Brandon again. Love the podcast, as you know. And I saw on Twitter tonight where you were asking about questions and if we had any comments. I thought I'd call in because it's easier than trying to type as I drive. So <laughs> good. Good I want to get your opinion on this. Safety first. Um, just the, the thought I've had. Do you think that Quinn and Patricia and Bevel now are trying to build the running game as kind of a buffer or insurance in case Matthew Stafford gets hurt? And the reason I say that is every year when Matthew Stafford struggles, it's because he's hurt. He's hurt his finger, his back which we found out later how bad it was. Um, so I'm thinking, this, and everybody always says the same thing. If Stafford gets hurt, we're doomed. The season is over. You know, just forget it. You're going to lose the rest of the games, blah, blah, blah. So I'm 
in my opinion, I'm thinking, and I want your opinion on this, is it possible that they're trying to build this run game in such a way that if Stafford's hurt, rather than force him to go out there or have him go out there and play injured, Michael Savage can go in there and just hand the ball off. And if Michael Savage is hurt, Tom. heck, we've got a wide receiver who was a quarterback. Clawson. Somebody can just go in there and hand the ball off and try to control the ball and get us wins until Matthew comes back. Just a thought. I'm going to run around in my head. What do you think? Again, love the podcast, guys. Can't wait for tomorrow. All right. So I want to go, I want to go here because this is – this got me thinking and this this tied together a couple different pieces of things that have been talking about for me and 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 really helped me kind of find some clarity i think in 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 some thinking about a couple different things some we mentioned a little bit earlier first off um you know what we're doing with the running game here right in 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 this team uh we've talked about how things are going to look different this year right people are are going to take time to get used to this this isn't what they're expecting pass versus run first right uh we talked about you know this is two training camps ago. I think it started with Kent Platt. I was talking, why don't we just snatch that roster spot away from, I think it was Kaya at the time or whoever, and, and, and forget the whole concept of a backup quarterback. Because if, if, if Stafford is down, we're, this team is done, right? We're, we're done. There's no hope for the Lions. And, and I got talked a little bit out of that. And, and, you know, well, if we need someone just carry, carry us for a quarter, you don't want a wide receiver playing quarter. Okay. 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 Fine. 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 Um, but, but that was kind of a piece of this. And then now looking at the way, you know, what Ken's bringing up, we're truly trained, you know, we're, we're changing the risk profile of this team. Okay. Um, I, I'm thinking about this. I remember times I think, and I'm thinking back, right. Um, we need to throw Calvin Moore. People screaming that, right? But I also remember back when they said, you need, to give, killed him, you need but... to give it to Barry Moore, right? <laughs> that, that used to be what they screamed all the time too, right? When we'd lose a game, you didn't give it to Barry enough, right? And you're relying on that single player. You talk about a, a strategic shift, right? <laughs> One or the other. Are we going back to now? You should have gave it to carry on, right? Where, where are we going with this, right? We seem to have been single focused on one player's strength for so many years in Detroit, rather than building a more balanced team, right? And this this bevel change is we talked like I said, I talked about it a little bit before, but this really changes the risk profile of this team. We we all agree, and it, and I think Kay said it earlier. If we were to lose Matthew Stafford, boom, right off the season, right, you're done. Well, what if the team's a little different, where you're not relying on Stafford windows? Right and and receivers having to make massive changes to a throwing arm or the t- or the team can't advance the ball right. Um, also, if you, you take away the the thinking of the risk profile change, the the multi threat offense. If you have an off or a running game that's actually run first and can execute, you can change that because you already know you can be a pass first offense with the talent you have at quarterback and you've seen it with the guys if that works out you can change it up depending on your your competition to be a pass first offense as well we've never been able to do go back and forth between the two so i, I really like the idea of this kind of thing you know I, I just think that this offense is not going to be the kind of huck it and hope thing that it's been since line got here right just throw that damn ball out there hope someone catches it hope stafford can hit the window hope everything goes well and doesn't get hit right it's going to be different it's going to perform different. It's going to succeed. And it's going to fail differently. But I think people just don't freak out by it being different because it will be, and and and, and that's okay. But um, it's so anyway. To Ken's question and Ken Ken's call, 
that's the, you know the risk profile changes i think what what he was going at and and saying is stafford still the key to the offense as he has to be yeah he's a key because he is so so multi-talented but boy do you change the risk if stafford goes down and do you open up your your opportunities as Stafford starts leading towards the end of his career, not hopefully next year or the year after, but you need to draft somebody at some point to take over for him. You have a team that isn't so tailored only to his strengths where you need a very, very specific type of quarterback. Riz, tell me I'm high. That last yeah. point is actually where, where I was going to go with it was because you're, you're downplaying the importance of having a quarterback who does everything for you. That means you probably don't want to pay that quarterback $30 million a year. Um, you can probably get by with somebody who's maybe not quite as skilled, but offers a much more affordable chance and you can build up other things around him. That's, that's the slope that you're going down. If you're, if you're thinking that Stafford, if you're thinking that the offense can be, can win effectively without Stafford being what Stafford is good at, and, and that's throwing into the small windows and, and doing it, you are essentially playing into the, we don't need Stafford anymore, let's get rid of that overpaid bum. You're giving those people credence. That's that, and they will read that into it. I'm, yeah, I'm not no, saying that, right. that that's your intent, but that's, that's, that's the road you're going down there. And if you're one of those people who thinks that Matthew Stafford is not going to be on this football team past 2020 and perhaps not past 2019, that is... What, what Ken talked about and what you just talked about is the, the, the reason why, why that won't happen there. Okay. I have two points on topic here. Um, first of all, almost every team in the league says the same thing about their, um, well, I should say almost every team that has a franchise quarterback, almost every team that has a franchise quarterback says the same thing. If the franchise quarterback goes down, the season's over. That is not unique to the Lions. Now there was a there was an article recently uh, where the Lions ranked either twenty eighth or twenty sixth or something like that um, in their backup uh, quarterback you know strength. Uh, and I'm not gonna I, I won't necessarily dispute that at all. Um, but at the same time, if Patrick Mahomes goes down, if Aaron Rodgers goes down. If Tom Brady goes down, if Ben Roethlisberger goes down, Tom Brady went down, and they did just fine. They won three out of four with three. Well, that's different actually fair enough. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> if uh, if Jimmy Garoppolo goes down again, you know, you know what I mean. Like, like there are so many teams where if the if the if the starting quarterback goes down, I mean their their season's over. It's not like it's not like it's a unique thing to Detroit. But, but I'm going to make um, a point here. If you can schematically manage that risk and change that risk profile, as seen with yes. Tom Brady going down in New England, that yes. changes the calculus on that whole that whole thing. I completely agree with that. Um, and, and you're not talking about once again. You're not talking about uh, if Stafford were to go down in the preseason and miss the whole fucking season, it wouldn't matter how good our run game was. We're still going to have a losing record. If he were to miss a couple games then you, you still give yourself an opportunity to possibly win, you know, 
uh, one or two, you know, one of those games, and that could be the difference of making the playoffs or not. That, that's the kind of situation where we're talking about a backup quarterback and their value. We're I'm not talking you, about 16 games. We're talking about if the scheme is right, if the scheme is right, where the quarterback quarter. isn't the key, the key player, and we've seen that with a couple quarterbacks who've made it to the Super Bowl over the years. Not you don't see it generally, right? Well, we saw and, and you don't see it as much today, year. right? And you don't see <laughs> you don't see it too much. But if the scheme is right, what happens is is at the end of the year you have a quarterback controversy. Right. All of a sudden, they're telling us how great Tom Savage is against me, and it's, it's what happens anytime. Uh, what was it with uh, Fitz Magic in in Tampa Bay yeah. when when let's um, face was out for uh, for groping Every the Uber time driver? Fitz Magic right. starts anywhere. Right. It's exactly. Exactly. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it was it was it, it was that whole situation. So I think schematically, that's what this is about. I don't think anyone's turning away from Matthew Stafford as the team's quarterback. I don't think that that's the the thinking by no, any stretch no, of the imagination. No, no. But you're definitely managing that risk profile and creating an offense that can leverage his his strengths absolutely but can also leverage a backup if they have to without having such a significant loss at, well um, you take performance. i mean you t- you take the pressure off of a guy like stafford who can make amazing plays uh but if you take the pressure off of him to do the unimaginable like and be successful at it consistently which he has occasionally been able to do but you, but if you take that kind of pressure off of him, then then you're going to see better efficiency out of him. And, and I mean, there's really no like if if and or but about that. The better the team around him is, the better he's going to perform, and the better his statistics are going to be in terms of uh, you know uh, passer rating and, and efficiency and those sure. kind of things. So like I, like I no argument at all on any of that. Um, the other thing, and um, I this is it's funny for a team that had one of the greatest running backs uh, in the history of the league. But um, for the last 10 years, the Lions have not had good focus on the run game. Mm-hmm. They've said they were going to try to focus on the run game many times, but they have not had good focus on the, on the run game. So for fans, I think um, there's a lack of adjusting or uh, we're not well adjusted to understand exactly what a balanced team looks like. <laughs> Only when they're beating us. <laughs> Only when so, they're beating us. <laughs> so like um it's it's gonna be weird. It's it really is. Like I really do think I I really do think there's gonna be some Lions fans who are upset um if we lose a game when we don't throw for 300 yards that we didn't throw enough. I'm just, um, I'm just thinking people are going to be screaming um, Lombardi and Cooter when we have a, a game where we stick to the run and it's not as successful as we want it to. And they're going to have a freak out because they're expecting right, right. fourth quarter. I, I think you're absolutely, that's exactly your own point. And, exactly yeah, with that. Like, and now like, Riz is over here smirking his ass off. We're not accustomed to seeing it. We, we haven't, we're not used to it. The only times we've had success um, are when, you know, okay, and, and I'm not saying we actually have had success when we've been able to run the ball, but it's been so rare that Patriots. we just don't like, we don't have it ingrained in our heads. We beat that, the Patriots like, you, with a balanced game. You won't win every game you play with a balanced offense, but that doesn't mean it's a bad thing. Like, just because it doesn't work this week doesn't mean it's something that you have to say, you know, well, why the Throw hell isn't the Stafford throwing the ball 40 times? Mm-hmm. You know, give it to Barrymore. Um, 
And, so, and look, I do feel like I do feel like whatever whenever the first loss is, if that's if you know if they run the ball a lot in whatever our first loss is, that's going to be what we're going to see online in comments. Is, yep. Okay, so so with all that, I, and I just want to make the point that we did do we played a balanced game last year against the Patriots and beat the Super Bowl winning team by running and passing in a balanced way. So just think about that game and how it was. It was great that we won, but if we had lost that game, you know, it would have been a whole different uh, narrative around healthy, it. Carry on. Please stay healthy. <laughs> All right, Riz, you've been smirking yes. and, and biting your tongue for a while. Go ahead and, and spit that hamburger out now and let us know <laughs> where's your head on it. Uh, just, uh, I, I was thinking of the Trubisky thing, and, and something came up today where, where Mitchell Trubisky is leading, <laughs> leading all bets for NFL MVP yep. at Caesar Palace right now. Yep. That is insane to me. So I, I posted that piece um, from, from Bears Wire. I posted it on Lions Wire on the Facebook comments, and I am truly embarrassed, saddened, and pissed off at how many Lions fans are saying, oh, hell yeah, Trubisky's a lot better than Stafford. It's at least oh, half the comments, wow. and I am ready. I'm ready to just the the people who no. professionally hate on Stafford. Y'all need to go. Can just we, find we, another team to root geez, for. Go, man. That's just that's just ignorant. It's not even like, hey, I'm trolling and I and I'm living under the stairs and and whatever. That's just ignorant. That's just fucking ignorant. Go ahead, Case. I'm sorry. Can, can, well, no, it's okay. I just want I just want to make sure that our listeners know. Uh, yes, he was the most popular bet. In Vegas, that doesn't mean that he was the top bet for MVP. It means that the most people were putting money on him because there was a five dollar in, one thousand dollar out. Correct. So, like, that doesn't right. mean that that Vegas thinks right. he's going to win Mahomes, the MVP. Mahomes, it just means that Mahomes' like, favorite, Matthew, Matthew Stafford, actually fourteenth, tied fourteenth. Yeah, Stafford has better odds to win the MVP than Trubisky does. Tied fourteenth. Fuck yeah. <laughs> I, I was pretty sweet. <laughs> so I was going to go try to work a deal with Caesars Side with Kirk Cousins. to get people to go there and make money. But okay, you got, you've made much more sense of this. Okay, thank you, Case, for that. All right, <laughs> <laughs> all right. We got one more call. Let's uh, let's do this other call, and uh, then we can we can shut down the uh, mailbag. Hey, so it's Neil again, stuck in Wildcat Blue. Uh, long time no talk. I do have a question that you're either going to groan at or you're going to actually enjoy doing. Uh, um, I'm definitely not a Stafford hater. I think he's the best quarterback I've ever had. I enjoy watching him play. But as I spend much more time in the comments section and several social media sites, which is pure cancer, um, I see a lot of Stafford haters and, of course, you know, um, talking about trading him away or whatever. So if you could maybe throw them a bone, and I'm generally interested to hear your opinion on what we would do. Let's say, for example, we go 5-11, and 4-12. and 12. Uh, you know, Stafford's oh, in press conferences saying he doesn't like the offense, you know, whatever, whatever it is, crazy scenario. And it, this is Stafford's last year, let's say. Um, maybe he gets traded away. Where would he go? I think it'd be interesting to see him in Tampa Bay with Bruce Arians. Um, you know, Marcus Mariota isn't doing too well. He might go to Tennessee, you know. Maybe go over some teams he might go to and Tennessee. then discuss, I mean, maybe – would we go up for a quarterback? Do you think we'd sign a veteran? Uh, do you think looking at, you know, uh, Matt Patricia, uh, you know, Bevel's past, what kind of quarterback would they prefer? And who do you think they would go for in this upcoming draft? Um, I know it's a, it's a shitty scenario no one wants to talk about, but it's also the offseason. So, you know, throw the Stafford haters a bone 
and just see what kind of interesting scenario that you all could come up with. Love the show. Thanks. Whew, okay. And so, Riz, we're going to yeah, rely on you for sure. the conversation draft. that Eric Schlitt and I have about article ideas, apparently, because <laughs> we've talked about this. <laughs> All right. Oh, problem oh, with hypothetical. Yeah. All right. Riz, no, it's, it's, start... it's a good hypothetical. It's a good exercise. That's that's good. All right. Start dishing on the conversations. What do you got, Riz? Okay. So, <laughs> so let's say Stafford, they decide to move on. Where would he go? I think the natural fit is to take over for a big Ben Roethlisberger in Pittsburgh. I think that's a, a, he can go oh, right in there. He can do a lot of the yeah. same things that, that Roethlisberger can do. The other spot would be to go to the Chargers, assuming they oh, win the Super Bowl yeah. and Rivers goes out on top, and that just might be my pick for this year. Um, he would be Man, it would be nice the, to get yeah, their, them. Yeah. Their backup is Tyrod Taylor, who is thirty-four. So they are uh, that's older than Stafford. They're, they're gonna be crazy. looking for somebody. I can't even believe Tyrod Taylor is older than Stafford. That's great. It's, it's nuts, isn't it? Yeah. That that's the thing with Stafford, is that he came into the league so young. He's still got a lot of years left. And you have a team that should be desperate for a quarterback there. I mean, they they should be grooming somebody already. Well, they've tried unsuccessfully. Um, Okay. Yeah. So, so that, that makes sense. The, the teaming with Arians is an interesting one because I think, I think Bruce Arians is a fantastic quarterback guy. I mean, he, he won games with Drew Stanton as the quarterback in Arizona, but I don't know if he'd tolerate Stafford, honestly. I, I just don't. Th- I don't see them as a personality fit. Um, and and to go to Pitt- Stafford, that's interesting. Okay. Yeah. Um, Stafford for he is not your rah rah guy. Yeah. And Ari- Arians loves the. Yeah. He, yeah. he, he does. God, he's obnoxious. <laughs> yes. Yes. He Stupid he lo- he loves Philip Rivers. He loves Baker Mayfield. He loves guys who are in your face yeah. and proud of it. That that's that's the kind of guy that he wants being his the leader of his team, and I don't I don't see Stafford doing that at all. So I, I that one's that one's weird. Although that who knows what's going on with that franchise? Yeah, they oh are uh, they are they're an enigma. Um, the other one, and and this one popped into my head, um, is Cincinnati if they decide to move on from Andy Dalton. And I'll tell you what, a straight up Stafford for Dalton swap would not be the weirdest thing for both teams because Dalton is not. He's not as good as Stafford, but he is not incapable. He has uh, led. He has led. I would be upset with a straight swap. I wouldn't be upset with a like Stafford and a first round. Like hey, this is all hypothetical. Yeah, no, I, I, yeah, I, I, I would want. I would want more booty back than just Andy Dalton. Um, I, I would want at least a, a second round pick, probably a first, and or you know a good player. Um, not that Cincinnati has yeah. that. Those. Oh my God! It, it is Sir Mix a Lot booty thick. That's right. That's what we yeah. want. <laughs> booty is such a good word. Yeah, I love it. Love booty. <laughs> Thank you for that that clip. Too. There you go. <laughs> There's a new drop for you right there, Chris. So, so that I would love be booty. That that would be where uh, where where he could go, as to who would replace him. So I am just starting to work on draft for next year. And I'll stick with the draft guys, because I, I haven't even looked at free agency. Um, other than than the thought of Dalton coming here, which would be interesting. The the guy who would seem to fit what Patricia wants, but also with see Bevel has always liked the guy who can run a little bit and give you that threat of of uh-huh. okay, I, I'm outside the pocket and I can throw it, but I can also tuck and pick you up ten yards. I'm assuming um, I know who you're going to say. So I I think it's not really Justin Herbert. I mean, he can do that. Um. It, I, I think if you're going to be that bad, you can get to a Tagovailoa. 
Yeah. If you're gonna, if you're gonna go five eleven, you that, might have to give up. You might have to give up a future first to go up right. to, uh, to get to a but. Uh, so so who's bad though? Okay, Miami's bad. They're gonna, they're going to get the number one pick. They just traded for Josh Rosen. They're not going to take another quarterback if they do their asses. Um, who else is going to be really bad? Tampa Bay could be bad if they're bad. They'll they will take a quarterback. Um, who else? Who, who else? Who who else? So I I just turned in my my. Well, the Bills list. probably won't take another quarterback yet. Oh God, no! They love Josh Allen. They mm-hmm. they 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 feel about him though the way that that we feel about like. Oh, Derek. The Cardinals won't take another quarterback. Wait, wait, no, let, they let will not. The 49ers will not. They, they could be bad. The Jets will not. I, th- I think they're going to be better than that. Washington won't. They just take a first-round quarterback. There's not going to be that many teams that look like they're going to be bad who need quarterbacks. They've all taken one lately. So the Lions, if they're picking in the top six, there's a good shot that they can get a guy like Tua. And I... I haven't studied him in an NFL context yet, so I, I'm not real comfortable in proclaiming that he would be worth that. But just in seeing what I've seen from what he does at Alabama, there's a lot to really like about what he yeah. could do in, a, in an NFL offense. It would be weird to get used to just because we've had Stafford and his style for so long. It would once again be, you know, uh, if we're going to see a massive shift in the run game this year, it's going to take a while for Lions fans to get used to that and, and seeing it all the time before we actually like say, oh, well, okay, maybe that maybe that's like a, a, an okay thing, even even though we've been screaming for it for so long. Um, right. The thing is, one is of the other quarterbacks change... that I'll bring up, the guy from Utah State, Love, is a guy that you need to watch if you're looking for potential quarterbacks. He's he's going to be a first round pick. He's going to be a senior bowler. He's going to be really. He's going to be the guy who climbs the charts. You get get in on him before everybody else does. Well, before he's while he's still somewhat unknown, he's a guy that I think is going to be. He could be this year's Paxton Lynch, the guy who comes from the the smaller school and, and winds up being a, a first round pick. Obviously, yeah, I hope he works out better than hope he works better than Paxton Lynch, <laughs> who, who burned me as an evaluator. Um, but yeah, that he's one to watch. And uh, I'll tell you what, Brian Lewerke's getting some love from NFL scouts. He they have they have been sniffing around Sparty Land, hmm. uh, talking about Brian Lewerke, and that that's that's fascinating to me because he was awful last year, even before he got hurt. So yeah. I'll tell you to the we'll previous see. point, any change that happens, and that it includes the Bevel offense and any quarterback changes or anything else, if it isn't immediately accompanied by wins, there's going to be the the rebuff from fans, and then the 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 backlash to the backlash, and then a settling in point. I, I wish it wasn't yeah. the case. I wish this was more a, a fan base that could could see things for what they are more and and allow things to show themselves um, rather than have an instant negative reaction the second something isn't you know a Super Bowl. It, it's it's crazy. I mean, look, there's a lot of things that haven't been a Super Bowl here, but uh, just that initiative, initial massive negativity that that this fan base gets towards anything, any changes in what they're used to is is crazy to me. Just, I'll give just, you 97.1 reasons why that happens, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> Very well done. Woo. Very well played. All right, Riz. <laughs> on that one, I'm uh, I'm going to say thank you for joining us. I know you got a lot going on this week and, and things to do, but it was it was awesome to have you have you kind of dive into our mailbag. I, I, I'm happy to be back. I'm happy to be back off vacation. I <clears> loved it, but I was ready to get back to work. So it's it's been fun joining you. Yeah, and, you're uh, one of those kind of guys too, man. You're one of those kinds. You can of dig around too. in my mailbag anytime you want, Jeff. Oh, <laughs> all right, all right. Yeah. Uh, on that, let's talk tickets. And when you do your tickets, you go to ticks.detroitlionspodcast.com. T-I-X that Detroit Lions podcast.com. See how easy I'm making this case? I like got this so easy. You just got to remember one word at Detroit Lions podcast.com. Ticks. 
You do that, you get your tickets. It's an amazing way to go. You know, you know what else I did? It wasn't just tickets. Amazon, the Detroit Lions podcast.com. Boom, baby. You just go Amazon to Detroit Lions podcast.com. You get all your Amazon gear. It's the easiest way to do it and get a kickback to the show. It doesn't cost you anything more. They give us a couple bucks on the side. It's not even on the side. It's, it's all on the 1099. But <laughs> they kick that, uh, that a couple bucks back. It's a great way to support the show by doing something you're going to do anyway. Amazon.DetroitLionsPodcast.com and ticks, T-I-X, DetroitLionsPodcast.com. Anytime you want to get tickets, whether it's for uh, any kind of show, sporting event, whatever, you name it, go there and uh, help us out. All right, um, another topic here. Uh, now that we don't have the Riz anymore, uh, I want to talk about the Hall of Fame. Because he's not he he's not a first ballot guy. I'm sorry, but um, <laughs> Hall of Fame. They're talking about adding 20 people to the Hall of Fame this year as part of the kind of centennial. Help them kind of catch up with folks that are behind. Yeah. It's a bit. It's that's it really cracks the door, doesn't it? Uh, well, I, I I think it's a little bit overdue. I mean, you know. Uh, roster sizes have increased. The number of um, amazing game-changing players has probably increased. Uh, setting a hard limit on how many guys they let in seems arbitrary and maybe old-fashioned. Um, to me, it, in a perfect world, you don't even have like an arbitrary number that you like select every year. You just have a certain number of guys who have to get a certain number of votes or you know whatever. Well, let and, me ask you this because. You think about uh, like the Pro Bowl. It, it, the Pro Bowl has literally, I mean, I know it has roster, uh, monetary bonuses for guys who make the, the Pro Bowl, but it really has no meaning, right? It's, it's a popularity contest. It doesn't mean anyone's right. like no, a superstar. I agree. How much do you want to diminish the value mm-hmm. of a Hall of Fame slot? And that's where I, this is, this is where, I, where I ask you this because of the idea of some varying number that could be pretty large or, you know what I mean, that could, could accordion based on people getting votes from some as yet unmentioned group of people. Um, at some point, you devalue the idea of being in the Hall of Fame, right? I won't argue with that either. I'm just, All I'm saying is that in a uh, the way I would view the Hall of Fame, it wouldn't be set at a certain number of guys getting in every year. It would be uh, set at a certain number of guys getting... Um, voted for or, or, or I'm sorry it would be like anybody who gets voted for above a certain you know um uh, threshold mm-hmm. gets in um that that would be the way I would do it as opposed to setting a hard number on how many guys get in um what this 20 20 guys getting in thing opens the door for is a few guys who might otherwise never have made the hall of fame um like Devin Hester, for example, maybe he's a beneficiary of this. I know I hate I, I hate the Bears as much as you do. It's not um, even a Bears thing. I'm like, he was a good return guy. He couldn't catch a ball, really. But he's really. the best return guy of all time. Doesn't the best return guy of all time deserve a Hall of Fame? Yeah. Well, now it's the question. Is there a special teams Hall of Fame? Right. Because right. It is. Right. Right. Yeah, no, so, like, I mean, and, 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 and I'm not saying there isn't an argument both directions. I'm just saying, like. That it opens the door for that conversation. The other, sure. another guy that does open the conversation for, and this is relevant to us, is Calvin Johnson, a guy who doesn't have the longevity and the the career statistics of most of the guys who do get in at his position. Um, Ooh, but if boy, you're yeah. opening the door a little bit wider open and clearing out a little bit of logjam at wide receiver, then he's more likely to make it. 
buddy, you're killing me here. Calvin is one I'm going to have an unpopular opinion on right now. So I'm just if you guys want to just like pause or fast forward, whatever, you can do that. I'm not sure, and it's a, it's a longevity thing. I don't think that I, I will not say that he wasn't yeah. spectacular, right? But you have top to be three, top three all time at his peak. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah. But but the longevity thing, right? People have a flash in the pan year where they're absolutely amazing. Is that one year what you judge them on, or is it the body of their work and the how big is that body of work? Yeah. I'm I'm not I'm not advocating not to put Calvin in the Hall of Famer that he shouldn't be. But boy, the length of time that he played the game really limits that that oh, opportunity. Oh no, I completely. And I, I want him I in. I love a lion in the Hall of Fame. I, I I totally get that. But again, I'm worried about you know diminishing the value. I mean, does Joe Flacco make well, the Hall of Fame? Let me, he let had me a great phrase year? it like this: Does putting Calvin Johnson in the Hall of Fame diminish the Hall of Fame? Right. Yeah. No. That's 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 the question. I mean, because if you said, I don't, I don't think it does. And, but, and you're right, and I think it comes down to defining what the criteria is very clearly. Yes, yes, and I agree. With it, that it can't be how they define a catch right now, as we know. The <laughs> NFL is horrible at defining criteria on things. Um, Can we put Golden Tate in the Hall of Fame? I'd love to see Golden Tate in the Hall of Fame. Uh, you would love to see him. <laughs> He'll and, never make it. Yeah, you but would love it, to see it, him in, in terms a of my club. heart, my heart, <laughs> the players that I've loved the most, he should be in the Hall of Fame. God, I love that kid. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Zach Zenner should be in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, 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 for sure, for sure. And that wouldn't diminish it at all. So, so I'm with you on that. All right, on that bombshell, we're going to call it a week. Remember, the show needs your involvement. Use the comments and your subreddit to give us your feedback. Uh, it's a community show. We're looking for your feedback. That's the best way to do it. Also, don't forget about us on Patreon. Patreon.com slash Detroit Lions podcast. Patreon.com slash Detroit Lions podcast. Uh, get in there. Get answers into the Slack chat and all the insider info and all the other stuff we do. And uh, help the show out. It's a great way to help support the show with just a small donation on a monthly basis. Check us out on Facebook. Facebook.com slash The Detroit Lions podcast. Facebook.com slash The Detroit Lions podcast. And on the Twitter cheese. At DET Lions Podcast. It's DET Lions Podcast. It's the very best place to see Case. With his thumb stuck in his bootstraps. Woo! <laughs> Calls via Skype at Detroit Lions Podcast. All one word, Detroit Lions Podcast. Or call us on the Lions line at 929-33-LIONS. It's 929-335-4667. Also, be sure to go to DetroitLionsPodcast.com. Subscribe to the podcast. That way we can come inside your little mp3 player on a weekly basis thank you for tuning in and we're going to see you next time on the detroit i ruin it lions <laughs> podcast remember no pants no toasters no hot tubs no problems because we're your detroit lions and reddit connection <laughs> final seconds winding down and look at that how big is that chris and case out of time Pack the bag, start the plane. This show is over. Hey, Dean Blandino here, and I can tell you unequivocally that call was 100% wrong. Quinn and Patricia don't want Cooter.